Welcome to another episode of Success Through Failure. This is your host, Jim Harshaw Jr., and today I bring you Carrie Granger. For years, I struggled to find the clarity of purpose in my life and the single-minded focus that I had when I was an athlete. You know, it just felt like I was working hard but not really getting any closer to where I wanted to go. And to be honest, I really didn't even know or have a clear vision on where I wanted to go. Then I discovered a powerful four-step blueprint that I began to apply to my life, and it changed everything. Now, every morning, I'm excited to attack the day because I have a clarity of purpose, and I have confidence in my plan, and I have peace of mind in knowing that I'm back on that path to elite success. Anyone, and I mean anyone, can use this four-step process to recreate the key elements in the life of an elite performer so you can regain that clarity of purpose and that single-minded focus so that you can both achieve your goals and live a balanced life. I created a a free PDF for you outlining the four-step Reveal Your Path Blueprint for Success just go to jimharshawjr.com slash blueprint. That's jimharshawjr.com slash blueprint to get instant access to that free PDF. Now, I've gotten to know Carrie over the past couple of years, and she is just one of those people who opened my eyes to what's possible in terms of a coaching business. And she has a network of coaches who work for her now, and she's a CEO of the Granger Network. She's also an Air Force Academy graduate. She's a former Air Force officer, and she works with companies and corporations and government organizations and other organizations as a leadership coach and consultant. In our conversation today, we dive into things like having tough conversations, and really how to approach those conversations, thinking about that tough conversation that you might have coming up with a spouse or a colleague, et cetera, uh, your boss, somebody who reports directly to you, et cetera. How do you approach that conversation? We also talk about the difference between what questions and why questions. Now, with all the talk these days about start with why, you're going to be surprised at how Carrie kind of flips it on its head and really gives you a tactic that can help you get to the bottom of things. Whether you're leading a family and using this with your kids, which I'm going to because it's a really usable, practical tactic, or you're leading a team, whether it's a sports team or a corporate team, uh, or you're a teacher or anything else. And the other thing we talk about is a failure, as always. And she gives us just a great example of failure that she's currently dealing with right now. So I hope you love this episode and get get as much out of this as I did. Without further ado, my interview with Carrie Granger. Carrie, welcome to the show. Oh, I'm so happy to be here, Jim. Thank you for having me. I am so happy to have you on the show right now, too. So you and I have spoken a couple of times in the past. This is our first time. We got to do a little video chat here before the call. So first time actually meeting you and and, and seeing your face live on video. So this has been great. You've been uh, just a catalyst for me. And uh, I've listened to your podcast. Like I said, had a couple of conversations with you and you really opened up my mindset. And so I'm excited to, to bring you and your wisdom and your experience to the listeners Let's start with this. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Carrie? Tell us about your background and kind of how you got from from there to here. Uh, Sure. I'll try to keep that really short. So I am currently the CEO of the Granger Network, and we're an executive coaching firm. We have expertise in strategy, post-merger acquisition integration, and we do a lot of leadership and executive development. 
in terms of background, you know, I'm a combat vet. I was a graduate of the Air Force Academy. I've spent time in Iraq. I've been accountable for an aircraft fleet valued at over $1.2 billion. And, uh, you know, right now, while I spend my days as a trusted advisor for CEOs and their teams, what keeps me up at night is the reconciliation of having thriving businesses, thriving communities, and thriving environments. Like, you know, how do we reconcile that? And, you know, I, I do believe that it is the responsibility of the world's leaders, you know, from a local community level to a global scale, to lean in and not shy away from some of these complex, paralyzing issues of our time. And, you know, that's what I seek to be part of is game-changing conversations about our future. That's big stuff. I love that, Carrie. First of all, thank you for your service. I've known about your background and, uh, and just, just you, you've done a lot there in terms of leadership and experience and you, you have such a wide uh, variety in your, in your experience. So anyway, thank you for your service and, and thank you for bringing this to us and to the world. And so tell me, why is that important, right? You have this grand vision of, of helping you know, leaders from community leaders to global leaders engage in these hard conversations and they are complex. I mean, my goodness, you look at politics and you, know, you turn on the news any day of the week and it's just, the stuff is, it's, it seems unsolvable. I mean, why attack at that level, Carrie? Yeah, well, you know, if not us, then who, right? And if you bring it down, it's uh, to the simplest level, it's humans. And it's, it's people having conversations. It's people taking actions. You know, organizations don't take actions. People take actions, right? And if you, right. you know, if you look around, we've had this drift of more, yeah, like more, more, more money, more material, more land, more control. It's just this global drift of moral. And it's not making us happier. It's not making us more healthy. You know, it's broken. And, you know, you can look at it from a lot of different angles, but there has been a almost hazardous focus on shareholder maximization. And it's been at the expense of, you know, the rest of our, you know, just the rest of the stakeholders. And it's not, it's not necessarily doing much more than maximizing profits for shareholders. Now I'm up for that. I think that organizations should, should thrive. I think that profits should rise, but not at the expense of the remaining communities and environments, employees, relationships, future generations, et cetera. So I think the act, one of the access points is through our leaders, whether it's in the boardroom or, you know, in the halls of politics, but they're people and they're leaders. And if we can impact our leaders to be able to navigate all the different, you know, fundamental cares and concerns, you know, I think that would make a big difference. And for the listener, I want to put this in context for you, whether, you know, you look at this at a macro level, you know, company or government, community, or, or a micro level, I mean, your family, your team, mm -hmm. if you're a, a coach or if you're a teacher, your classroom, it's the same thing. So back to you, Carrie, this entails a mindset shift, no? I mean, mm -hmm. away from more and more and more of maybe just money or power to more of what? I mean, and how do you, how do you make that mindset shift? 
Oh, I, I just so love that, you know, the shift that you're making to bring it down to us personally, individually, because that's where this starts is sure. me. Right. The way that, that, you know, I, exactly people, human to human, right? Yeah. And, you know, we do have to destroy some of our preconceptions about what's better, right? Some of our preconceptions about what's success. You know, in my coaching practice, I, you know, we were talking a little bit before we started this interview and, you know, I spoke that I, I coach a lot of senior women who are looking for what's next in their life. And you said, oh yeah, I coach a lot of men and women too. And that, you know, the same kind of thing. And what I note that's fundamental to the people that I coach experiencing a successful, fulfilling life is a critical examination of what success is for them. Yes. Right. So we live and especially in the United States, when I coach a woman who's maybe, and men, same thing, men, same thing. It just happens to be, you know, that I, I do coach a lot of women. Sure. And I, yeah, and I coach, yeah. you know, it ends up being primarily men, but I coach women as well. But yeah, I, I get that similar mindsets and, and a mindset shift that has to happen. Right. And, you know, if you think about just like the drift that we've been part of, it's, you know, what is success? It's like, you know, being number one. Well, number one in what? In money, in position, in title, in in fame, right? And then you get there and what's the, where, you know, the joy isn't there, right? So really redefining, you know, success being really a fulfillment of what I ultimately care care about in life. And I think it's the same thing at an organizational, institutional, you know, industry level as well. And I equate a lot of times with my clients that, you know, when I was competing as a division one all-American wrestler, it, it worked to have a single-minded focus, right? I had a single-minded focus and mm. I was mostly focused on one thing, which was wrestling, but also academics and getting my degrees and I got good grades and a nice GPA and all that good stuff. But really, I had this like single-minded focus and the central organizing theme of my life. But when you get out into the real world, it, it's, it can't, you can't be just that. It can't be just money for the shareholders right now. It has to be other things in long-term investments as opposed to short-term investments and short-sighted things. And so do you start when you're working with an individual or a company, which is like you said, you know, made up of individuals, made up of people. Do you start by going backwards first, by defining success, by identifying what's important? I mean, where, where do you start with when, when you go into a company or start working with an individual? Hmm. I think the starting place is different, you know, just depending on each situation. I usually start by hearing, just listening, you know, what's, what's it like for them? And, uh, you know, in organizations, some of the bigger themes is they, uh, they might struggle with alignment or they might struggle with accountability or they might struggle with trust or, you know, in a, in a personal life, you know, with a person, they might be, you know, they know they can be something more. They know life can have, there's something beyond what they are experiencing now. They could be more. And, um, you know, a lot of times it's, you know, we're good. We're good enough, but, but we know we could be great. So I start by listening and I'll, I'll get a sense for, you know, what is it currently? And what's it like currently? And if we kind of predict that out, what's it going to be like in the future? And you could you know, if you don't intervene with yourself, you're going to pretty much have what you already have, 
you know, and your, right. your experience is just going to kind of continue. Yeah. Sure. And continue and to drift. Continue the drift. Exactly. So how do we intervene in that drift? Right. And as we go along, I start to listen for what's at the heart. What do they, what do they fundamentally really care about? Like underneath it all. Right. And maybe, you know, in my work with healthcare, there's, there's often a real fundamental care that people, you know, people have experienced a high level of care in their health care, that, that we do medicine even in a different way, that we take care of our population, you know, in a better way, or, you know, that we bring some integrity to, to our processes. I don't know. Um, in an individual's life, there's often something around, uh, you know, an experience of, of well-being and family. And, but if you really get down to what you fundamentally care about, you can begin to see a pathway forward. And the thing that I find, Jim, and I don't know if you find this as well, is we're not always connected to what underneath it all we really care about. You know, we can be connected to the challenges, the obstacles. We can be connected to our position or solution, but we're not always connected to what underneath it all really matters. Yeah, because we're influenced by so many other things and we're pulled in a lot of different directions. And, and when we're, I feel like when, when we're younger, you know, there's a clear path and a clear sort of de- clearly delineated things that we should be focusing on. But when we get out and begin, you know, taking leadership roles, whether, you know, again, in the micro or the macro, it's easy to get pulled and, and drift off of those paths. And, you know, Carrie, talking about leadership, when you have these conversation conversations with leaders, they then have to have tough conversations with others because they are in a mm-hmm. position of influence, a position of leadership. Uh, so whether they're a leader or, you know, the listener for the, whether they're a leader or an aspiring leader and something I've certainly experienced as a leader is it's hard to have these tough conversations, but this is a foundation of leadership. Do you have any guidance on how to have these tough conversations? Do you see this as a challenge for leaders that you work with? Oh my gosh. I think it's number one, number one challenge. And, and I also think to the degree that you might validate that I, I have a good sense of personal power, it all comes from a capacity to have tough conversations. So across the board, this is at the heart you know, can I have a conversation about a lack of trust? Can I have a conversation about accountability and not lose my relationship? Can I have a conversation that I feel like puts my job at risk? And so, you know, can I have a conversation with somebody that I feel disrespects me? Can I have a conversation for termination can I have a conversation that says I want to work with this company or in this organization, but I don't like what I'm doing? You know, these are all really risky, vulnerable conversations. Can I say I don't like what's happening right now? You are reading so, the my, you know, my mind and I think the mind of a lot of the <laughs> listeners right now, they're going, yeah, yeah, I've asked that question inside my own head. Yeah. And, you know, I just came back from working with an extraordinary client and I'm going to get to practical steps here. And, you know, there's about 100 people in the room who was in an institute of higher education. 
and uh, you know, faculty were in the room, administrators were in the room, and at the heart, you know, and, and th- this is a very successful organization. You know, they've gotten awards, and you know, but there's a big gap between who they are, which is an organization that has good metrics, continuously improving, has kind of uh, dialed in from a system standpoint and who they really want to be, which is transformative leaders for their community. And to be able to bridge that gap together requires having new, vulnerable, brave conversations between the faculty and the administrators. And, and you know, I'm always struck by the rampant fear of having a conversation with my boss. And so, or with, you know, another group, uh, like I see it with silos all the time, you know, marketing and sales or um, research and development and operations or, you know, et cetera, is how can I, yeah, how do I bridge that gap? So here's some, here's some just tips about that, right? So the first thing is I got to check my mood, like my mood, my emotions before I enter that conversation. So entering any tough conversation with uh, righteousness, arrogance, frustration, anger, resignation, apathy, right, is just not going to go well. You know, you're, you're, you failed before you started. Yeah? Sure. And yeah, and so go. first I got to check my mood. Totally, Right. And I got to get, so what do I do with my mood? I want to get curious. Like, let me actually allow myself to be curious about how this could turn out. Let me get curious about what I don't know. You know, let me have enough space to see something that I haven't seen so far. Okay, so mood is the first thing. I got to check my mood. I got to start with curiosity. And before you go on to the second one, Carrie, let me just just point something out for my listeners. If any of the listeners who have been listening for any length of time know that I talk about this concept of the productive pause, and that's this short period of focused reflection around specific questions that leads to clarity of action and peace of mind. And this is an example of that. You know, we talk about planning your day. We talk about, you know, looking, you know, reviewing your goals on a monthly basis, things like that. Well, on a, on a micro basis when you, before you walk into a meeting before you walk into one of these tough conversations this is a pause it's not drifting into this meeting or this conversation it's hitting the pause button and saying okay what do i need to do here how do i how do i have a great conversation how do i make this meeting go well this conversation go well and this is one of the things it's check your mood your mood check your ego put that aside and walk in here with an open mind and an open heart. So, so thanks for that, Carrie. Sorry to interrupt, but, um, but I just wanted to point that out for the listener, like sort of an, a clear way to do that. No, I love that. And, you know, I know that you have a lot of athletes who listen to your podcast and so they're well acquainted with the physicalness, right? right. And so even with your body, you know, your physical body, you can just, uh, you know, check how forward stance you are and move back to a little bit more uh, center or even a little bit more on your heels and you can tilt your head. I mean, try this, Jim, T- tilt your head and tell me, does that not make you more curious? Yeah, absolutely. 
I mean, it's crazy, right? Sure. So even if you don't, you're not like really feeling it, how no, you, but could, you do, you you just, yeah, you, it puts you in that absolute, the, like body language is not just, does not just communicate to the other person. It communicates to yourself too. So you can put yourself into these, these states. You tell your head, you feel more curious. You, you know, uncross your legs and open your arms and you feel more open. It makes sense. It's crazy, right? But I do that all the time as a shortcut. You know, if somebody's coming at me, I tilt my head and, and get back on my heels a little bit, yeah. you know, not so, not so forward, ready to fight. And sure. it, it, it's disarming. Okay. Then I want to move into what's underneath it all really important to me. You know, what, what animating my position here? What's animating maybe my frustration? What's animating my discomfort? What is it that I really care about? underneath all of it. Yeah. And then I also, you know, is it, is it, um, a better relationship? Is it the ability to feel like my voice matters that I can give input? Is it, is it just, you know, I just really want to contribute, you know, and I feel like I get cut off every time I try, but rather than going in it, man, you cut me off every time I talk. I don't want to go in with that. I want to go in with what is important to me? So I say, look, I really want to contribute. You know, I want to, I want to be, I want my voice to matter here. And I think you do too, right? So when you talk at the level of fundamental cares, it's hard to argue. And then I also want to think like, what's at the bot? What's most important to them? What might be, you know, I don't know for sure till I ask, but given this topic, what might they really care about? So it might be like, look, I really want to contribute. I want my voice to matter. And I know that, you know, you want to be really timely. I think you really want to be timely with our responses. And it must be really difficult for you to get everybody's input, right? So I want to go right to underneath it all. What do I really fundamentally care about and what do they? And if we start there, we're going to have a totally different outcome. And I want to point out, one subtle thing that Carrie is including in the first question, uh, what is it that I really care about, is th that's a different question than what is it that I care about? Because what is it that I care about is, well, you know, winning, right? Winning the, mm -hmm. the conversation here maybe, right? But it's like, what do I really care about? Well, what, I, what I really care about other than sort of winning this argument or tough conversation, it's like what I really care about is is the outcome or the people who this is going to affect or, you know, something deeper. So that's, um, that's just a, a subtle thing in that question that is, that's very important. Oh, I love that. Yeah. The difference between what do I care about and what do I really care about? Right. What's animating that? That's right. And for you the know, listeners, this... you, like, I, I'm sorry to interrupt Carrie. There was a mm -hmm. great interview I did with um, Michael Bungay Stanier in episode number 80. I just looked it up real quick because he talks about that similar sort of line. There's a, there's a line of questioning that he talks about. So for the listener, if you want to go deeper on that topic or have another, you know, sort of listen on this, this kind of mindset, go check out episode number 80, but sorry, go ahead, Carrie. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So, so when we, when we start to talk at that level, it's, what's amazing is you get, you know, you get different stakeholders in the room or you get just two people in the room and you get down to the fundamental care, then you can begin to innovate. You can begin to dialogue, right? So I'm thinking about just this organiza higher education um, organization I was with last week. 
And we get down to the level of fundamental cares and the, you know, the administrators say, you know, it's really important to us that we're, that we have a level of standardization and predictability across all departments. And the faculty are saying, you know, it's really important that we have a degree of autonomy and that we feel like in some ways we can, you know, we have say over our destiny. And when they got down to, okay, there's standardization and predictability and autonomy, right, that I get to experience leading my department, and then we can start to get creative. Well, how do we, how might we fulfill on both of, you know, our cares? How do we, how do we fulfill on what matters to both of us? And that's a totally different conversation than, you know, quit coming in, quit getting in my chili, right? Or you're always, you know, this doesn't work. And, you know, you guys think you're always an exception, right? Right. Different conversation. You can even ask the question of like, you know, hypothetically, if, if we were to, you know, this was a perfect relationship, what would have to happen? And what would that day look like? And you start finding ways for people to go, yeah, okay, I can be open about this. And maybe we can collaborate. Maybe, maybe we can get closer to that ideal that we're looking for. Yeah. And then I make of you my partner, not my enemy. Right. Yeah. So, you know, checking my mood, starting with fundamental cares, making sure I'm connected to the big why, you know, the big purpose, big outcome. And then I want to stay in connection from a human to human standpoint. Mm. So, so often we objectify the other people. They are this way, like an object, you know, and we have all these interpretations and assessments and, you know, opinions that we pile on them and then make it like they're rigid in that way. And I just want to connect to my own humanity and my own range, my own mistakes, my own frustrations. And then I want to connect to their humanity. Like, you know, really coming from the heart, recognizing we're two humans trying to figure this out. So I want to stay in contact with their humanity and relationship, you know, maybe have a little faith in us and being able to work something out. And I'm just, you know, what I found is when you start there, the conversation goes in, you know, miraculous, unexpected ways. Absolutely. So, Carrie, I want to share a conversation with you that I had actually with a client, a CEO client this morning. And as a matter of fact, the, the sort of thing that I left him with, because he had to he has to have a, a, a conversation with his team. And he, what I helped him think through was, was going in with this mindset, right? This, this mindset of actually caring. Like these employees that you're going to have a conversation about. And it's similarly, it's about people don't want to be kind of put in boxes, but we know that people operate with clear expectations. So he wants to better delineate expectations, but also create a culture and allow a culture of teamwork where people can sort of not just stay in their own box, but be willing to pitch in and help, right? He wants that, that teamwork, but also, you know, people knowing exactly what their specific expectations are. But, but ha- so having both of those. And I said, listen, in the first sort of step for them is to, to step back and, and understand and, and sort of create what this might even look like. But even having a conversation with the team saying, listen, this is what we want to create. And he's looking for the words. And how do I explain this? I said, you start with caring. Like, do you care about these people? Yeah, of course you do, right? Do you, do you love them at some level? Do you, do you want their, them to be successful in their work? Do you want them to be 
you know, make a good living and, and be good at what they do and have, you know, you know, be able to provide for their families and all these things. And yes, yes, yes. I'm like, well, that's where you start. Like, that's where the conversation starts. It doesn't start with me, with, with you pointing a finger. It, stand, it starts with you going inside and actually caring for these people. And when you start from that place, then you can find the words. So, so we started there. But one of the things that we got to was he said, we have meetings and I want to put this, uh, I want to just pitch this over to you and put it in your court, Carrie, and see, see what, how you might respond to this. He said, we have meetings sometimes and we have all these great ideas and everybody's talking, there's this, that, and everybody's got a list going. And then we walk away and nothing happens, right? There's no mm-hmm. follow through. There's no execution or at least not at the level that that he would like to see right there's there's ideas flowing and there's there's good things happening in in conversation but whenever everybody leaves there's no ownership right and i had some thoughts from i'm curious how you would handle that situation because you're talking to leaders all the time who probably are in in similar conversations right where they're in these meetings and then then they walk out and then two weeks later you have another meeting or a month later and nobody has followed up on you know, some of the important things that came out of there. Yeah, sure. I mean, I love the example because I think it's so uh, relatable. And, you know, when I look, I think I said this earlier, when I'm looking at, when I'm working at different organizations or with leaders, two of the biggest things that we're dealing with is accountability and trust. And so I can, you know, I can hear a little bit of both, but, you know, a lot of accountability and, you know, just, for your listeners as well, if you really want to do a deep dive into accountability, I have a podcast that I do with Paul Adams and our entire season two is on accountability and it's yeah, called the it, leadership impact. Leadership impact. And it's a great podcast. I recommend it for the listeners. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. So, you know, I can, I, I wonder when you say there's no ownership, I don't know, you know, is it ownership or is it structure when so those are two things to look at. And I would say, you know, first is to begin to look at accountability as not something that happens after the fact when things go wrong. So your client is in a tough situation where people haven't done what they were supposed to do. And now he has a decision to make. Do I get on them for not getting it done and risk, you know, their bad moods and defensiveness and like that, you know, or do I let it go and, and try to continue this mood of um, this culture of like everybody's happy? I'm kind of simplifying it. Sure. And that's what happens a lot when we have accountability or relationship on like different ends of the spectrum. So the first thing is to be able to have accountability and relationship. You know, there are really two different spectrums. You can be high accountable, high relationship. So that's just the first kind of mindset shift. And that accountability is really about partnering on accomplishing a future we both care about, a future we mutually want. So, you know, where I would look is just way in the beginning, right? So when you're in that meeting, you know, do we, is there a future state? It doesn't have to be a big future. It could just be, you know, we're putting on this great event or we were able to implement a new IT system that works for the kind of company we are now. But are we clear on that ultimate outcome? And do, do we have some interest? You know, do we have mutual shared interest alignment about that outcome? Then the second piece is when when people are saying, I will, when, when we're talking about actions, the next question I would wonder is, is it actually clear who's taking that action and by when they're going to 
to do it. So are there clear agreements really? And I, I ask that because I've observed a lot of meetings where actions come up as possibilities, recommendations, or suggestions. And there, there's actually not a clear agreement about who owns it and what they're going to deliver on and when. And so beginning to have a new practice of creating clear agreements is also, you know, just the clarity is really important. So, you know, an idea comes up that says, oh, yeah, you know, what we should do is let's, let's contact three IT vendors. Yep, that's great. See, I wouldn't predict anybody's going to do anything with that. You know, it might be sure. who's, you know, Jim, is that something, you know, you'd be willing to do? And Jim says, yes. And I say, great, Jim, you know, when would it, when do you think you'll be able to accomplish that? Now I'm going to wait for you to tell me when you promise to complete that work. Hmm. And that's going to increase ownership. Okay. So clear agreements. And then the, and then the other thing that I find is um, we don't have a good, often we don't have a good practice for where our promises exist. Like there's no structure around that, right? So if somebody promises something to me and I don't see them write it down, I'm highly suspicious it's going to (laughs) happen. Right. Right? Yeah. So starting to look at what's a structure that, you know, everybody can align on to support us in accomplishing the things that we thought were really important at the time we promised to do them. Yeah. Fantastic. And go ahead. So, you know, it could be so simple. And what we use in our company is what's the action, who's going to do it, and by when. (laughs) And then at the start of our meetings, we just go through, you know, did did that happen? Did that happen? Did that happen? What's the status? And uh, it's a practice. It's a structure that helps us keep, keep the ball moving forward. And for the listener, if you like the action items that you're hearing right now, just make sure you grab the free copy of the action plan. Just go to jimharshajr.com slash action and you'll get a PDF, basically a PDF of, of all the bullet points that you're hearing right now. So, so Carrie, I've heard you talk about what and why questions. What questions mm-hmm. versus why questions. So let's say you have that level of structure and, and you get somebody to, you know, to agree to do something mm-hmm. by a certain date, certain time. And that date time comes and it didn't happen. And now you as Mm -hmm. the leader, you know, you have to have a hard conversation here. Um, You can ask why questions and you can ask what questions. So tell us the difference between the two and why one is more effective than another in this particular situation. Oh, I'm so glad you asked. Yeah, as soon as I as soon as I said the action list, I thought, oh gosh, but then there's a whole conversation that happens. Sure, <laughs> the actions right. don't get done, right? <laughs> right. So here's what like how many of us just want to ask why? Oh, why didn't get that get done? Yeah. And you know what happens is when you ask why that did not get done, and this, this is what I'll call the small why. Okay, the big why is like for the sake of what am I doing? What's the, my purpose? That, that I'm sure. going to call the, the Simon Sinek why. why. Start with why. The that Simon right. Sinek why. That's yeah? a different why we're than talking, we're talking about here. Exactly. We're talking about the small why. When, as soon as you ask why, what that prompts is an explanation, an analysis, an excuse, a reason. That can go on forever. Forever. Mm-hmm. Like your, your five, six-year-old kid, which I have one, 
they can ask why and why sure. and why and why and why, right? Like three hours down the road, right. they're still asking why. You're not getting to the source of anything. And in fact, neuroscience research shows that when you ask the question why, it engages your creative side of your brain. People are like inventing, creating. It's a creative exercise to <laughs> right, answer the sure question why, right? Now, what is an interrogative? right? So like a interrogation. So right. it's, it's, we can use that to inter, to get at the source, to intervene in breakdowns, to find out what the root cause is. So the difference would be, you know, what happened or didn't happen such that you were not able to accomplish uh, what you promised. Right. That's and, black and white. And then it's very black and white, right? So what questions? And then you can ask that again. And what happened that that happened? So I have this uh, famous, and I can't remember if I've told this on in my podcast or not, but this famous, uh, we call it the marker incident. Yeah, she did <laughs> talk about it in the episode. Go oh, ahead. I did. Oh, okay. Yeah. I should tell it again. Okay. Well, then excuse well, me if you hear it let's, twice. Well, let's do this. So, yeah. so yeah. I will link to the episode, to that episode in the action plan. So for Leica, who's listening to this and transcribes this and creates all the action plans and she's awesome at it. Yeah. Uh, she and I will, will go back and find that and link that in there because that is a powerful example of this and sort of the, the short version of the what versus why questions. And I think this for the, for the listener to differentiate, it would be like, well, why did you not execute on the thing? Well, they make, they can get all creative and make up these excuses. Or you could say, well, what, ha or, or versus saying, what happened that you didn't do it? Well, I didn't get to work on time. And then that leads down to, a, to like, well, okay, so you have to leave work at a certain time because of the traffic. And, and it's very clear now, okay, there is a, a concrete solution to this versus a sort of nebulous story that's told, right? It gets this, this what question, what happened question gets to the very black and white solution or issue that happened. And, and so, and that's a great story. So the marker incident of 2015. So to pique everybody's curiosity, <laughs> you can listen to that episode again. So I'll link that in the action plan, jimharshajr.com slash action. And you can find that episode where, uh, where Carrie talks about that. So Carrie, you know, I, wanna... I use it to debrief my failures too, by the way. Yes. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about failure. Mm -hmm. um, you know, can you, can you tell us about a time when you failed? So the, the listeners have heard your bio. They, they know all the success that you've had and all the incredible things that you've done. Does somebody like Carrie Granger ever fail, right? And, and, oh and if gosh. so, can you tell us about a time and kind of that, that self-doubt that comes with it and how you've been able to work through that? Yeah, I'm currently processing myself through a failure. So I'm, I'm currently overcoming a failure. And yes, and it happens all the time. And you know, it happens more and more to me, the more risk I take and the more on the edge I am, you know, it's more opportunity for failure. Also breakthroughs. So yeah, I have this client in the defense industry right now. And you know, I know myself as having a certain mastery of facilitation, right? Whether it's in strategic alignment or, you know, almost mediation or, you know, cultural dysfunction or leadership development. I have a certain mastery that I've developed over a couple decades. And one client in, my in the defense industry, they're doing pretty well, but has, you know, the whole good is the enemy of great syndrome, right? Yes. And my job was to have the leaders take ownership of the good enough mentality and accept 
a possibility and responsibility for accomplishing the great. Okay, so these are people who do good in their silos of excellence, but they don't work together uh, across functions to accomplish something at an organizational level. And my job was to intervene in that as a facilitator. Mm. And this is something I can normally do with my eyes closed. However, you know, three times in a row now with the same client, we have been at the crux of a breakthrough, you know, right as, right as the people in the room are saying, you know what, I see how I, when I come to a meeting, I only listen about my agendas. I don't even care about your, everybody else's agendas, right? And they're starting to take this responsibility. And then all of a sudden, I don't know what happens, but there's, there's this switch and then I start to get attacked as the facilitator, oh, no. right? Like, how dare I even suggest that they're not extraordinary? And I get really confused. And then oh, I get embarrassed yeah. that because then the meeting ends in kind of a bad mood and we don't like you, right? And so the first two times, I make them wrong. You know, in, in the most sophisticated way I know how, right? I analyze their <laughs> immaturity, their lack of responsibility, you know, and, and it's so shocking given their senior stature, right? And they're like, you, they're attacking me as a way to avoid responsibility. Like I can write a book on this, right? But unfortunately, this has made me, by, by putting the responsibility on them for the failure, it makes me an incapable victim of this group. And I can only see these situations as anomalies. I can't see them as like a trend for me to level up my game. I don't see them as I'm not connecting with something, right? It's I'm just a victim because these people, they avoid responsibility. Right. So what I've done this third time that it happened, I'm like, okay, Carrie, you know, you see yourself as a master of facilitation. And there's been three times that you've walked away feeling like, you know, this was a failure and blamed them, right? So, you know, I started using the coaching. I mean, I'm doing that right now. I'm using the coaching that I was trying to give them on myself now. So here's the big thing for me. When I give myself the freedom to see the result as my failure, I have so much power and I can learn so much. When I have the arrogance to put the failure on someone else, I actually imprison myself. There's nowhere for me to move. Man, so that's when it. that's for the listener, hit rewind for the last 15 seconds and, and listen to that one again, because that is, that's it. You know, as long as a failure is somebody else's, not yours, you have no power. You can't alter anything and you are, you're stuck suffering at the effect of their actions. When you take it as your failure, when you accept that you did not produce the result as I did as a facilitator, I'm now saying I did not produce the result it's my failure. I'm now in the driver's seat. I can, I have the freedom to be curious. I have the freedom to investigate. I actually have the freedom to now engage those same clients in a debrief 
and look together at what's going to make that difference. Yeah, you own it. And I want to reference one other episode, uh, episode number 231 for the listener, Dr. Stephen Hayes, when he talks about like this ownership. And when you, when you own something like this, when you accept this, this failure, and it, it empowers you to actually be able to do something about it. And you go, okay, I'm, I'm not a failure. Like I'm not a failure as a person, but this in this instance, these three instances in this case was I, I, I failed. And now what an opportunity this is. You are now a, a better coach, a better consultant because of this, right? And, and so I want to encourage the listener to go, okay, so there's something I'm mastering and you're thinking this in your head. There's something I'm trying to master. I think I'm a master at it. And I went out and I tried it again and I failed, or I tried to level up my game and, and I failed. Well, you're not a failure. This now makes you stronger, smarter, wiser, more insightful, because now you can go act upon this and become even better. And this happens with everybody, as we know well from this podcast. Mm, that's what I love about your podcast is just the embracing of failures as learning opportunities. Yeah, that, that's part of the process. And so I want to encourage the listener to accept that about themselves and say, okay, this is, this is an opportunity for me. So Carrie, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, you're welcome. And for the listener who says, okay, I'm in, I, you know, I love everything that Carrie has said here about, uh, about leadership and about, you know, really making that mindset shift that we talked about earlier in the episode where we talked about, you know, shifting your mindset to, you know, not just having, you know, the, the outcome being one thing, but really considering all stakeholders and having these tough conversations that may go along with that. Can you recommend an action item? Like one thing that the listener can do in say the next 24 to 48 hours to really uh, embrace what you've said and, and start moving toward becoming the, the best leader that they can possibly be. Again, whether that's their father at home or a mother that's a teacher or a leader of a corporate global uh, organization. Yeah, just based on our conversation, I would say get curious like practicing of curiosity and starting with fundamental cares. So, you know, in common language, meaning start with what's fundamentally most important. And uh, I think that serves us even in failure. You know, if I think about my failure and, and what's really fundamentally important to me is that this, you know, this, uh, client of mine is able to work together at unseen levels and accomplish what their organization's mission, you know, which is quite noble, is out to accomplish. And if I stay grounded in that, there's a humility, there's a curiosity, and there's a resilience. Yeah. Yeah. And and so I think, you know, starting with curiosity and connecting to what we fundamentally care about. And, you know, just keeping that connection, whether it's through failure, tough conversations, taking something new on, I think that's the, that's the place that I would say we start. Yeah. Asking yourself that question, what is it that I really care about here? Mm -hmm. Excellent. Thank you so much, Carrie. Can you tell the listeners where they can find you, follow you, uh, anything you want to promote at this point? I think you have a, a new course you've launched. So tell us about that and, and how the listener can find you and follow you. Yeah, thank you. So you can find us at GrangerNetwork.com, G-R-A-N-G-E-R, Network.com. That's our website. 
We have a podcast, Leadership Impact Podcast, where you can dive deep into the different things that we've uh, spoken about today and I think is pretty consistent with your podcast, Jim. Sure is. And then, you know, the thing that actually just came to mind when you were talking about your CEO client and, you know, we say we're going to do all these things and then we leave and nothing happens is how do we, what are the set of practices and habits that we can put in place that's going to allow us to fulfill on what we promise to do or fulfill on the big ticket items, you know, from just our, what's guiding our everyday actions and what are the habits around that to include how we deal with our calendar (laughs) and how we deal with overwhelming stuff coming at us. And so we have a course, it's called Productivity and Accomplishment. And it's a completely different way to relate to time, to relate to what you're doing and what you're not doing, and and just to be able to survive in a day and age in which there's exponential communication channels and exponential stuff coming at us. So it's a productivity and accomplishment workshop. You can find it on uh, our website. If you go to the homepage, there's a little um, highlighted, this is the course. And, you know, just for your listeners, Jim, I want to give you guys a um, discount code. So if you have the code performance and up until the early bird cutoff, which I think is in a couple months, we'll give you $300 off the course and $50 after that. So the discount code is. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Well, thank you, Carrie. That, that is something that we talk about a lot on, uh, on this, on the podcast. And also I talk about productivity and all that on, um, in my, you know, in my coaching conversations with my clients. Mm. So that will absolutely hit the nail on the head for my listeners. So thank you for sharing that. And thank you for the discount. Hey, you're welcome. Maybe I'll see you there, Jim. Yeah, I, uh, you might see me there. It sounds like uh, <laughs> it's something that I'm always, always working on. And I know I could learn a lot from you there. So thank you, Carrie. Cool. And thank yeah, you so thanks. much for, for making time to come on the show. My pleasure, completely. And as always, for the listener, until next time, take the time to get clear on your goals and embrace failure as a stepping stone on your path to success. Mm -hmm.